What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Bully Banter. I'm Ben Portnoy. Alongside me, Garrick Hodge. Garrick, back in uh, back in the studio. We've got all sorts of archives around us, so different different look in the the uh, conference room today. Well, it's a uh, yeah, it's a little generous calling this a studio. It's more of a conference room, as you alluded to just now. But yeah, there's there's three. I don't know. One, I don't want to call them prehistoric, but there's three just ginormous books just laying on the table. I don't know if it was our publisher or uh, maybe someone else, uh, maybe his father who previously owned the paper that's going through these archives that looks like they date all the way back to the early 1900s. So who knows what they're researching and I'm sure it's some good stuff. But um, as Ben just opens one now and we've already gone off the rails and we didn't even make it 30 seconds into this sports related podcast and now we're talking about commercial dispatch archives. Yeah, one of them is the, the one I'm looking at is May 2nd, 1971. So let's right, go back well, to early ways. Early 1900s was a little uh, premature <laughs> on my part, but yeah. nevertheless. It's okay. But uh, anyways... Outside of the archives sitting in front of us, we've got sports to talk about, more specifically the men's and women's basketball teams. Uh, the men's team obviously lost a close one to Tennessee last night after losing a close one to Alabama the other night. Uh, the women take on South Carolina on Thursday. We'll, uh, we'll get this up and out for y'all uh, either this afternoon or tomorrow morning so that you can give it a listen before that game. But, Garrick, let's start with the men just because we have a little more to talk about there, and, and the women have obviously been off for about 10 days now. Uh, this past week, uh, you lose a close one to Alabama, lost a close one to Tennessee last night. What, uh, what, what were your impressions of those two games and kind of where this team is at? And I hate to go general big picture like we have the last few weeks on, with this team, but um, just what did you kind of learn from those two games, and what, what are you seeing from the men's program right now? Well, watching it on the SEC Network, which before I delve into the big picture stuff, I just want to go on a mini tangent. So I don't know if uh, you, any of you listening were watching the men's game yesterday, but um, I think in the second half with around, oh, I don't know, 12 minutes left in the game or so, um, they just completely um, stopped commentating on the game and they started doing a Zoom call with Commissioner Greg Sankey. Uh, while the game was being played. And I'm not going to say that the stuff he was saying was uh, trivial because it was kind of interesting information. He was talking about the SEC tournament and how they completely um, plan on having a full um, SEC tournament per usual. Um, Obviously, he didn't get into fan attendance or anything like that, but in terms of the structure of the tournament, that business as usual, per se, which would have been great either at halftime or in the pregame show. I mean, he's the commissioner of the SEC. The SEC owns the SEC network. You could think you could have him on anytime you want to. And I was, I mean, maybe maybe uh, casual observers watching that that didn't have a loyalty to either one of those parties um, kind of enjoyed the info. But I was just watching it, you know, t- trying to take my notes or whatever, reporting on the game. And I'm like, this is like the most entertaining part of the game. Like the, the offense was probably the most um, efficient in that like four minute stretch where Craig Sinke was on and not like, you know, Tom Hart and I forget who else was commentating with them, but couldn't like commentate on the action whatsoever because Greg Sankey is just rambling about stuff. And I'm just like half distracted by listening to what Greg Sankey's saying about, um, postseason plans for the SEC and like wait a second like this is a great basketball game that I'm missing right now so anyway don't do that again SEC network not that anyone listens or cares to my opinion but um so 
Big picture stuff. Um, yesterday was uh, very ugly for fans of offensive basketball. Um, if you like half-court sets and half-court defenses, uh, you were probably gushing over the game yesterday. Uh, Rick Barnes and Ben Helen squads going at it. Um, Tennessee wins 56-53. Um, there were some controversial calls. Um, obviously, a Tennessee player shot the ball. Um with the ball clearly still in his hand with zero seconds left on the shot clock with Tennessee up by two, um, with about two minutes and 30 seconds left. And um, there's no whistle. And M- Iverson Molinar yesterday had a pretty telling quote that they just stopped playing after that because they saw the ball was still in his hands. And, um, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, Mississippi State had a three-on-one advantage in the post, and yet – the one Tennessee player cleaned up the rebound and got the putback. Um, and so that makes it a two-point game. It make what would have been a two-point game with Mississippi State having the ball down by two, two down by four, down by two. And then, you know, Ben Howland was a little miffed that. Um, so the rules, as the NCAA currently states right now, you can review ask for reviews when it's inside of two minutes. It's kind of like the NFL and football in that capacity. Except there's no coaches' challenges previously to that. Um, and the shot clock that, you know, was clearly a shot clock violation that ended up being a basket for Tennessee um, did not go Mississippi State's way. Whereas um, a goaltending violation that would have not gone Tennessee's way had it been outside of the two-minute variety um, went Tennessee's way. Now, it... it did it hurt them down the stretch? Of course it did. Is there a chance that maybe the game goes differently had they got that call? Maybe. But at the same time, they also shot 32% from the floor. They turned the ball over 18 times. Um, so if you want to find something to blame on why they lost that game, I would blame those two statistics right there, along with poor offensive execution down the stretch would have mattered in the last uh, couple of minutes, as we have seen from this kind of youthful team. Um, I guess you asked about big picture question. I kind of just wouldn't. I, I well, not, ne- not necessarily big picture, just like, you know, what do you learn from th- this past week? And I guess when you look at it, Mississippi State's got, they've got the big win over Missouri and you got a couple of near misses. Like, what, in games like this, what has to change? What do they have to do? Is it a matter of execution? Is it a matter like, what do you kind of boil it down to? Well, I would probably advise them to stop turning the ball over. I mean, on Saturday against Alabama, um, they, they're down by three with a little over 30 seconds and a chance to steal a win against the best team in the SEC, in my opinion, on the road. And it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. Um, and they had, what, 18 turnovers 16, last night? 16. 16 Saturday and 18 against Tennessee. Um, and so that's issue number one. Um, and then yesterday they missed seven free throws again. So you lose a game by three, you miss seven free throws. There you go. But um, I think you could, I mean, if you want to look at it glass half full or glass empty, I, I think there's... You know, fair points to be made for both. Glass half full is that I think that Tennessee and um, I am. I guess it depends on whether you believe Missouri or Tennessee is the better team. I mean, they split, and you can make arguments for either one as the clear number two team in the SEC. But on the flip side, Mississippi State, the top three teams in the SEC. Um, unless you really are high on LSU for some reason, which I'm not after they lost by 30 points to Alabama. 
But the top three teams in the SEC, they either beat Missouri or went toe-to-toe with and had a chance to either tie or take the lead in the final 30 seconds. So for a team that lost all four of its top scores and these two contests being on the road, it's not on the surface really a poor performance if you think about it. What does make it harmful is the games that they've dropped to where this would have made the loss things less. The double overtime game to Dayton, the double overtime game to Kentucky. Um, I mean, I don't need to relive the greatest hits and all that. Um, But, I mean, like we've said time and time again on this podcast, this is a team that is so young and so inexperienced. And, I, I mean, I just, I think... Fans are back in a little bit of a reality check to where an NCAA tournament is likely not going to happen this year unless they catch a hot streak, which I guess you never know if this team is possible. But I think, I mean, you could say an NIT bid would be pretty cool, but I, I don't know if there's going to be an NIT this year, so I, I who knows. But um, And, I mean... I think the rest of this year is building for next year at this point. Um, They're still, you know, I mean, if they come back and they beat Iowa State on Saturday and then they win both road games against Arkansas and South Carolina, maybe they're back in it a little bit. Um, Probably not, but maybe. Um, And I don't know. I mean, you just got to – you got to take a good bat at this team. Like, for example, Cameron Matthews, um, I think, made more free throws yesterday. He still missed quite a few, but he made more free throws yesterday than he did the entire season where he was 2 of 17 coming in. I think he made two or three free throws last night, so progress. Um, and, you know, um, they're playing. They're really – it's a really talented roster, and – Sometimes they muck it up enough to where they can go toe-to-toe with these big teams. And really, probably, this is, you know, both a good thing and a, a frustrating thing for fans. Is that, you know, outside of one game, they haven't been blown out all year. And they've been, gone toe-to-toe with everybody that they've lost to. With obviously, the one exception being um, Olness and Outside of that, they've competed with everybody, but they just, you know, their free throw shooting, um, half-court execution down the stretch has been less than optimal. And Holland thinks it'll get better. Molinar thinks it'll get better. And I think that this team, with the right additions and assuming that everybody stays, could be pretty awesome next year. Um, But at this point, it's just uh, which Mississippi State team is going to show up. And kind of to that, you mentioned kind of the newcomers and and this team and the continuity of what you get next year. I mean, we can get into this later this year, and obviously there's a good bit of season still left. But, you know, when you look at this team as constructed, and I think we've talked about this some, but, like, this is a team with a lot of different guys doing very different things than what they did last year. You know, DJ Stewart and Irish and Molinar were obviously more complementary pieces in the grand scheme last year. You know, you've got a guy like Tolu Smith who literally didn't play last year because of transfer rules. And, um, you know, when you look at that and, and kind of the, the general gist of how that works and, and, you know, when you have a team like that and the youth and the inexperience and whatever you want to call it, just, 
you know, you're going to take your lumps. You know, I don't think you or I really expected this team to be necessarily challenging for an NCAA tournament team, you know, bid. I think we thought they might take a slight step back. We didn't know how big that would be just because you did lose some big pieces. But, um, you, you know, when you get to go and, and you show what you're showing against some of the best teams in the conference, it's inspiring. And maybe you get a little bit of a sense of false hope, for lack of a better term. And um, But when you look at that, I mean, this is a team that, that – that has played well against good teams. It's got two guys that are pretty much stars, I think we can say at this point, um, that can light up the score sheet pretty much any night. So, um, you know, if you keep this team as constructed, and obviously there will probably be some movement, um, you know, they're kind of there always, always right, there always is. But, you know, if you keep this team generally as constructed, I mean, I think the biggest question becomes do you keep, uh, um, are, are, does DJ Stewart enter the M- the NBA draft? And I think that's you know a legitimate question, and we, we don't know at this point. But if you're able to keep him and keep Molinar for another year, this is a team that should be in the top. If things go the way they are, I would I would be skeptical that he enters at this point. Um, he's had a couple of games where he puts up like he goes five of fifteen or five of sixteen from the floor. Um, and then, I mean, of course, there's others where he scores like 27 points against Alabama um, and 32 points against Dayton and um, is very efficient in the mid-range game is going. But, um, I mean, never say never. If you would have asked me at this time last year if Robert Woodard would have uh, been back next year, I would have said, oh, absolutely. And clearly he did well for himself. Um, so, but... I- if you were to ask me this time right now, I would say that both uh, Molinar and Stewart will be both uh, um, returning to college in next season. Yeah, definitely. Let's flip sides of the, let's uh, let's flip teams here real quickly and just give it a quick look. We we won't keep y'all too long today. Um, the women's team plays South Carolina tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow being Thursday, we're recording this Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday midday. Uh, this team's been off for 10 days. They haven't played a lot of basketball, you know, talking to some people around the program and, and, and for some stories this week, it sounds like things have been refocused and it's been, a, you know, not that folks would say any differently necessarily, but it's been a good couple of weeks of practice and has been a chance for Mississippi State to kind of get back to what they were doing well um, and, and what they need to improve on. And I think that's, you know, when you have a stretch like that where you're not playing games, you'd hope that was the case. Uh Nikki McCray Penson playing her former boss and Don Staley. It's you know lots of storylines there. Some of them cliche. Oh, was that a storyline? Yeah, I was gonna say cliche as it might be. Um, you know we'll, we'll have that and uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about. But um, you know, Garrick, uh, you know, let's open it up. But just with this team, you play a game like against South Carolina. They weren't really competitive against Texas A&M a couple of weeks ago when they last played. Uh, you've got Tennessee coming up. You've got Arkansas coming up. All top twenty-five teams. You know, when you see a team like this, you've got a stretch like this. They've lost a couple of games to top, you know, to top twenty-five teams already this year. What's kind of the focus? How do you go about, you know, for lack of a better term, fixing, you know, the issues and getting right back to it, and you know, staying, you know, head to the grindstone and, and you know, flipping things a little bit. Well, I would think that a lot of players and both, you know, coaches around this program would see tomorrow night or th- t- tonight if you're listening to it on a Thursday would see tonight as a chance at redemption. Um, you know, kind of like uh, the men playing Alabama and Tennessee. Obviously, I mean, those two programs have different expectations from their fans, of course. But you 
look at them playing Alabama, who was now a top 10 team, and Tennessee, who had been in the top 10 for most of the year, and going toe-to-toe with them. Um, even though there's frustrating stretches of execution down the stretch that fans will certainly point out on Twitter and not have a hard problem about that. Um, I think the fan base would get a lot of buyback in and not even necessarily having to beat South Carolina. But if they played them toughly and competitively, you know, throughout most of the night, and even if it slips away from them kind of in the fourth quarter, as long as they, you know, don't come out like they did against A&M and look like they're really invested in being there and, I mean, it's it's South Carolina. This is a national women's basketball college powerhouse. It's pretty hard not to come out fired up, at least from my perspective, if you're a college athlete for this game. Um, and especially be, being in your own building, even though you know there's not going to be too many fans. But um, So I, I think this is a huge opportunity for Nikki McCray-Penson to kind of get some momentum in this program back. And, um, you know, they've they haven't played in a while. I think it's been, what, 10 days since their, their last game? So yeah, it'll be 10 days. Rest up and recuperate a little bit. And, um, I mean, of course, some coaches will tell you that may, on the flip side, be a bad thing because, you know, they they rested uh, a little bit too much and, you know, um, sat on the feet and haven't played anyone besides themselves and all they've done is practice. But I think if they, you know, come out and play South Carolina the final buzzer, I think the narrative around this program changes a little bit, even if they don't, uh, even if they don't pull it off. Now, on the flip side, if they come out and, let's say, Mike Taylor's the only one that shows up again, um, and they just lay an egg and they get in a 16-3 to hole to start, I think the voices... Um, venting frustration are going to grow louder and more vocal and you're going to see a lot more of them um, fairly or unfairly because South Carolina is obviously a very top tier program but if Mississippi State wants to view itself as a top tier program um, I'm not going to say that it should never get blown out because you know off nights happen I'm not going to say they don't but if you get blown out back to back games especially one in your own building then Maybe there is something there, um, and I don't know. You, you've watched this team a lot more than I have. You are connected, and where do you think the pulse of this program is to kind of like what I was saying, if they can maybe earn back the fan base a little bit, or maybe what happens if they don't earn back the fan base and drop a, another blowout to South Carolina? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, if you're Mississippi State, you don't necessarily have to win this game. And, I mean, look, of course you want to go into a game and you want to win, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, but if you're Mississippi State, this is a game that you want to show up, you want to be competitive, and you want to play all four quarters. Mississippi State played South Carolina really close last year and, frankly, had, had chances to win in that game in Columbia last year. Um, South Carolina won big in the SEC tournament final, and, you know, we talked a lot about that last year. But... Um, you know, the, the thing that I'm interested to see, I'm curious to see how Jessica Carter responds after being pretty much, you know, irrelevant in the games against South Carolina last year, um, particularly in the SEC tournament final and, and all of that. But as far as big picture goes, you know, like I said, you know, you want to be competitive. You don't have to win. You'd hope that you would win. But, you know, you don't have to win this game. You just need to show up. You need to be competitive. You need to show a little bit more than what we saw against Texas A&M. Um, you know, I don't want to say that people are going to be all out on this team and they shouldn't be, you know, if if things don't go well, um, you know, this is a team that 
its four losses have all come to, I think with the exception of Alabama, three of the four have come to top 25 teams. And I believe at this point, all of those teams are ranked within the top 14 uh, in the latest AP poll, if my memory serves me right. So, you know, Mississippi State hasn't, and and that's, and Alabama, I think is about, has, is 13 and one, if I'm not mistaken right now. So uh, it's, you know, they're losing games to good teams. They're, they're not losing games that they shouldn't necessarily lose. Um, you know, they're losing games that are pretty much 50-50. So, you know, with that said, like, I don't think it's time to panic. Yes, they probably should should have a slightly better record. You know, you'd like to think that they probably should have won the Alabama game or the South Florida game, that kind of thing. But, you know, this is a team that, that's got things in front of them. You've got South Carolina, you've got Tennessee, you've got Arkansas, all within the next, you know, two and a half, three weeks. Um, you know, and if you win two of those games, if even one really, you know, you're giving yourself a chance. And that's what you need to do if you're Mississippi State. So maybe this is me just being a little bit a prisoner of the moment type of takes. But I'm looking at this schedule, um, and I see, of course, South Carolina tomorrow. That's a big one. Um, you, you, they were supposed to have um, a breather against Vanderbilt, which obviously Vanderbilt made the decision to pull the plug on women's basketball for the remainder of the season, so there will not be a Vanderbilt this year. Um, so that's, I mean, no disrespect to the Commodores, but the way they were playing, that was probably going to be a win for the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. So that's one less win. Um, so the next game after South Carolina will be February 4th against Tennessee, and then the one after that will be at Arkansas. Those are two very tough, very competitive teams right there. Not saying State can't play with them, but two games that conceivably could be losses. And then there's at Ole Miss, which on paper, Bulldogs should be favored to win. But we also saw Ole Miss play Mississippi State very competitively. You never know in this rivalry, right? And then they host Auburn, which you would think they'd win. You'd think. Yeah. Then they play at Alabama. We saw how that went home. And then they play at LSU, another team. I mean, that LSU team. It's a competitive team, LSU team. That LSU team beat A&M. And very nearly beat South Carolina the other night. And then you host Missouri, and Missouri has had a lot of close games. Um, again, State should be favored to win that game on paper, but a lot of close games. And then you're off to the SEC tournament. So I've read you that schedule, Ben Portnoy. And, again, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom Hodge over here. But looking at it, isn't there kind of a scenario to where you go, this team may just have to scratch and claw to even make an NCAA tournament, let alone get a high seed? Yeah. I, of course, I sp- it could also go both ways to where if you rack up three or four wins against these teams, you're solidified and you're going to be a top-tier team. I still think Mississippi State's a tournament team. I mean, you're 8-4 and four right now, and none of your losses are bad, you know. And a loss to Ole Miss would probably hurt. A loss to Auburn would hurt. Um, a loss to Missouri would hurt. I mean, those are games that on paper I'd pick, and I would think that you know Mississippi State wins those games probably by double digits. Uh, Alabama, LSU are interesting. Um, I think the Alabama game is particularly interesting. I think that's a team that's probably a fringe top 25 team right now, and, and deservedly so. LSU has been up and down, but has shown a lot and was really good against South Carolina the other night. I guess that would have been about a week ago now. Um, and really, uh, you know, it, it has some talent and has some some interesting uh, interesting pieces. And then, like you said, you know, Tennessee, Arkansas, South Carolina. So if you get through this next three-game stretch with a win or two, 
I'm not saying you have to win all three because I don't think you do. I think that if you can beat an Arkansas, if you can beat a Tennessee, you know, give you something on your resume that that's you know a win that you know counts for something, and that win over Georgia continues to look better and better um, as the days have gone on. So. Um, you know, I think that's the thing that's lacking for Mississippi State, really, is that you don't really have a marquee win. Uh, you know, you have the win over over Georgia, which is a top 25 team. But other than that, I mean, you haven't really beaten anyone worth a whole lot outside. You know, you've beaten Ole Miss, you've beaten Florida, and then it's, you know, a bunch of non-conference games that aren't, you know, too inspiring. So... If you're Mississippi State, I think you need to win one or two of these next three games and then just take care of business down the stretch. I think a win against Alabama would do you some favors. I think you know a win against LSU would do you some favors. But I think generally speaking, I think this team is, is you know, we're going to learn a lot in the next week and a half, two weeks. Uh, I kind of violated my own uh, principal rule with that question because I like to judge seasons in their entirety. Yeah, it, that's, the, that's, that's the thing. is like It's such a crucial stretch. You know, Really, this next three games, Like, I, I think if you come out of it, let's say two and one, let's say you beat Tennessee and Arkansas, which I think they, you know, on paper Mississippi State's a better team than both of those and I think should be able to win those games. Uh, if you go and win those games, I think that – you're fine, and you know they'll take care of business. Generally speaking, down the stretch, you know maybe you lose a game or two, but you should be all right. I just think that Mississippi State needs a win or two in these next three games, and that's not to say that all hell will break loose if not. But I think that that's the point that you're looking at and saying, okay, this is a little bit sketch. Like they should get into the tournament regardless, and I think they will. But I think that if you're Mississippi State, it would do you a lot of favors to to beat Tennessee or to beat Arkansas. Or somehow beat South Carolina, who, who has been a, a little more susceptible this year than we're used to. Um, you know, did lose to a really good NC State team and, um, you know, a team that I voted number one in the country this year, but or right now. But, um, you know, they're going to have chances, and they've got them in front of them. It's just a matter of how you take, you know, how you attack those. And, and that's why, like you said, you know, not judging a season in its entirety is hard because you do have some, some, some unknowns over the next two weeks. That's all I've got on the basketball front. You got anything else to add before we close this thing out? I don't think so. I mean, going to be an interesting game. We'll see how uh, it plays out tomorrow. Again, we've got Mississippi State versus uh, South Carolina tomorrow night. What's next on the men's docket? I didn't look at the schedule. Uh, uh, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Iowa State. Very lackluster Iowa State team coming to Humphrey Coliseum on Saturday. See you there. Yeah, should be should be a couple of fun ones. Again, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you again next week.